And good day, everybody. How are you? This is Paris B, a.k.a. The Reb. Thanks for joining us on the station that listens to you. j Radio, around the corner, around the globe. Spoke to some friends of mine who I met in Lakewood. Told me they really enjoy listening to the station. And uh, they are, like you, special people who are tuned in because you know that what you're going to hear right here on j Bezmashem is designed to be able to give you a sense of what's really happening in the world, a sense of what really true significance can be attributed to the events that are happening. It's not because we think we have a copyright on the truth, but because what we try to do is distill things through the lens of Torah, through the lens of Hashkacha, of Hashkacha, yeah, <laughs> that's true, Hashkacha Pratis, that's, that's for sure, everything is Hashkacha Pratis. But the Hashkafas that we hope are distilled through a proper Torah perspective, and the only way that anybody can get a Torah perspective is by learning Torah and by wanting to do what a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants a person to do. That is assuming. That is assuming that a person wants to fulfill a Kaddish Baruch Hu's Ratzin. That is assuming the understanding that a person is not biased and wants to look at things through emes amiti, through that which is true because it is true, not because that's something which a person deems it to be true by virtue of their own distorted bias, as we just witnessed in uh, this historic, sadly enough to say, decision by the United States Supreme Court this past weekend. Uh, you know, you look in the commission, you see what happened all those years ago. The Torah is telling us, you know what? It's current events. You want to know what's happening in the world today? Just look in the Heintika Parsha. Take a look at what happens with Bilaam Harasha. Take a look at what happens with Balak. And says, Akadosh Baruch said to Bilaam, do not go with them. Don't curse the nation, because they are gebenched. Ki Baruchu. Now listen to this. And Rabbi Zelik Fliskin masterfully brings this down in Growth Through Torah. And since what we're trying to do is to grow together, right? Growing for greatness, getting out of the realm of mediocrity into being the best who we can possibly be. Rabbi Shmuel has commented that any unbiased person, anybody who didn't have their own agenda, who heard a Kaddish Baruch Hu say, he said, here not to go. He said right now, don't go with the messengers. Don't go with them. They would understand that a Kaddish Baruch Hu did not want Bilaam to curse Am Yisrael. And right here, we see the power of bias, of being the gayel adover, of having a vested interest, such a vested interest that blinds a person from seeing what any unbiased person who didn't have an agenda could see. So what did Bilaam report back to the messengers of Balak? What did he say? Oh, that the Almighty considered him so distinguished that he would not allow him to go with them. It is quite possible that Bilaam did not merely lie to them. Rather, his own unmitigated arrogance, his pure gaiva, that uh, did not merely lie to them. Maybe he just didn't just simply lie to them. Rather, his own arrogance led him to fool himself pulled the wool over his own eyes about what he thought were the Almighty's intentions. A person always hears what they want to hear. Have you ever noticed that? You'll tell somebody something, and they'll say, 
Oh, yeah, sure. That must mean I, I, I should really do that. One second, we weren't talking about that at all. That's not what the intention was. Every person has this similar tendency, said Rav Chaim Shmulevitz, to interpret the Torah according to his own bias, even though his inclusions, his inclusions and his conclusions, conclusions might be the exact opposite of the Torah's true intentions. By being aware of your own biases, you'll be able to avoid this trap. Now, what does that have to do with what we just talked about? How many Jewish groups come out this week and say, oh, this is such a wonderful thing, we can respect everybody in love. That's a lot of baloney. What do you mean, respect TV? Why, I want to ask you something. Did the United States, um, well, let's say, you go this far back, uh, I'll, I'll, date, I'll date myself, but um, do you think that Elliot Ness, remember him, the, uh, the Untouchables? You know, you weren't born then? Okay, I wasn't born then either, but I know about it, right? I'm just talking about it at the time where organized crime had just gone berserk in America. I don't know if it's any better now, but then it was certainly, I mean, just, it was, you know, wild in the streets. So, do you think, like, if a, a major uh, crime family, let's say, like, Al Capone would have uh, said, look, why don't you respect the me? Uh, why don't you respect me? Uh, I do what I do, you do what you do. Elliot Ness would have said, uh, you know, it's true, you do your crime where you are, and we'll just arrest those people who just happen to come our way, and yes, you have your opinion about how society should be run, and we have our society, our opinion about it. Are you, are you out of your mind? There are good guys and there are bad guys. And the good guys are the good guys, and the bad guys are the bad guys, except today. The bad guys are trying to make everybody look like they're the good guys. And even the people that claim to be on the side of right, like some of these alleged Jewish groups are saying, oh, it's all in the name of respect and dignity. We may not agree with them, but it's wonderful. Are you, have you totally lost your moral balance? Who are these people that they call themselves Jewish groups to identify this? Even the people that are not quote-unquote religious, even the people in the secular community are understanding that this is a, a degradation of everything that's decent, good, and moral. Why are so many people remaining quiet? But let's let's take a look at what some of the things that that were that were said. The people that dissented against this horrendous decision, and um, one of them, one of them was uh, was uh, was Judge Roberts. The court is not a legislature. Whether it's a good idea or not, it should be no concern to us. That's what the Chief Justice John Roberts wrote in his dissenting opinion, and he read a summary of his dissent. From the bench, the first time that uh, the, ju- the justice has done so in nearly ten years as the chief justice. If you are among the many Mer- Americans who favor expanding this law, so he said, "Okay, I'm going to celebrate today's decision. Go ahead, celebrate it, but don't celebrate the Constitution. Don't do it in the name of what the Constitution is. It has nothing to do with it." Do you hear an echo of what we just talked about, Lahabdalir? You want to do something in the name of Abdullah? I'm not comparing the Constitution to the Torah. Kadosh, the Torah is divinely given. The Constitution is man-made. But do you hear, hear this? That somebody takes a body of law and then uses it for their own corrupt opinions. Now, this dissent was joined by uh, Justice, Justices Antonin Scalia, Clarence Thomas, and Samuel A. Alito, who have been, uh, you know, people that generally stood up for what's right also wrote their own opinions. What really astounds, what really astounds is the hubris reflected in today's judicial push. Very fancy language wrote Judge Scalia in a dissent that could be characterized only as scathing. 
He said, even if the practice to be paid for, even if uh, even if if even as the price to be paid for a fifth vote, I ever joined an opinion for the court that began, the Constitution promises liberty to all within its reach, a liberty that includes certain specific rights that allow persons within a lawful realm to define and express their identity. You know what he said? I would hide my head in a bag. That's what the Supreme Court justice said. The Supreme Court of the United States has descended from the disciplined legal reasoning of the great justice of like John Marshall and Joseph Story to the mystical aphorisms of the fortune cookie. Whoa, what a rank out that is. And uh, the goodest is all of America, and we hopefully, hopefully we'll be speaking to a representative of them in the, in the near future of the greater goodest is all of America. I mean, it is a voice for uh, Bonaparte Orthodox Jewry, hopefully of, uh, of mainstream Jewish America. It is a conscience of, uh, of many people and, and articulate and eloquent. They said that uh, in their statement, that the ruling is a violation of Torah principles and said that the decision is not a positive step for civilized society. I mean, I would like to ask them, maybe, you know, politically correct, maybe because, uh, you know, they got their advice from Das Torah not to, not, to, uh, not to rock the boat too much because it might not be with, you know, with real, any real result of purpose. But, I mean, they certainly did say that it's not a positive step for civilized society, which I think is an understatement. It's not only not a positive step for civilized society, most people would say it's a disaster. And supporters for the ruling, some inside the courtroom and many more surrounding the building, celebrated the decision. How do you go celebrate this? I mean, it's sick. And even President Barack Obama placed a congratulatory phone call to, um, to the people that were involved in the case which precipitated this. But there are others, like, you know, Others who were out there vocally against it, like presidential candidate Ted Cruz, has, um, has said that, you know, this can't be tolerated. Hopefully other candidates will come out and take a strong stand on it and not be wishy-washing. Now, i got to tell you this. The, the ruling, they said, will not take effect immediately because the court gives the losing side roughly three weeks to ask for reconsideration. Well, my good friends, the losing side is the United States of America. And every decent thinking, law abiding citizen that cares about decency, morality, and doing the right thing. But county clerks in Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, Ohio, North Dakota, South Dakota, Tennessee, and Texas, listen to this, they began acting on the ruling within hours of the decision. The cases before the court involved laws from Kentucky, Michigan, Ohio, and Tennessee that ban recognition to legalized immorality, which is a great way of calling it legalized immorality. Uh, that's according to an article in Hamadiyya. At least they had the guts to say that. And do not recognize the legal standing granted by other states. Now, just two years ago, the Supreme Court struck down part of the federal pro-morality law that denied a range of governmental benefits. And let me just mention this, that Justices Breyer, Ginsburg, Kagan, and Sotomayor formed the majority with Kennedy on, uh, on this past Friday, the same lineup as on a similar case decided two years ago. Now, the earlier decision... In the United States versus Windsor, did not address the validity of state bans, but courts across these great United States, within, with few exceptions, said its logic compelled them to invalidate state laws. And the, the states affected by this past Friday's ruling are Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Mississippi, boy, Mississippi, they missed the boat on this one, 
most of Missouri, Nebraska, North Dakota, Ohio, South Dakota, Tennessee, and Texas, etc., etc., etc. This cannot be good for America. Cannot be good for the Jewish people. What do you think about it? Are you upset about it, or are you just going to take a laid-back stand? What do you think is going to happen? What do you think we ought to do? Our number is seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. We are the station that listens to you. So raise your voice. Be a Kol Koyakov. We are here to listen to you as we go forth and realize that um, you know we live in a in a country where there are great freedoms. We are the beneficiaries of many of those freedoms. But now, now we as are other religious groups, we put ourselves in a situation where are we going to be the the possible victims of this law? I mean, if you think about its logical extension, what happens if, you know, if people with uh, religious moral conscience and conscience are, uh, are put on the line to have to be in a situation where they have to say, no, I don't subscribe to this. I'm not going to be part of it. I have a friend who works for a, a major corporation, and they have these uh, these groups that meet for people who want to express their opinion about various things, like this type of thing. And, and not only that, but then they ask other people to become allies of these groups and to join them. And he says he feels very uncomfortable about it, and they take attendance, and he said uh, it's very possible that his job could be on the line if he doesn't show up. So what's he going to do? He had to ask a Charlotte to his own Rav what they're doing. His Rav said, you know, if you don't have to show up, don't show up. Or if you do, you know, just, you know, don't show that you agree with it. But now people are actually asked to be allies with this type of thing. Who wants to be an ally with evil? Who wants to be an ally with something that is so stupid, ridiculous, and below, below the, the, the threshold of human decency? At any rate, are you bothered by this at all? Seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. Our talk lines and our listen lines are open. This is Parrot's Pity, aka the Reb, the Reb with a cause, and this is one of them. A, a cause that says we have to have morality, we have to have meaning, we have to have values and purpose in our lives, and we can't stand idly by while those those who stand against those values attempt to make them look like they're valid values. Somebody once asked the Chofetz Chaim, it might have been um, Reb Elkanah Wasserman, they could sound like Lebrach and Hashem should avenge his blood. have to check this. But they wrote a letter to the Chofetz Chaim when in Eretz Yisrael there were a group of people that were saying that they should not hire non-Jewish workers. And uh, they said, if you want to be a true Zionist, you can't hire non-Jewish workers. You can't hire Arab workers. I'm not talking about this for security reasons. They were just, you know, people who didn't want to have Arab workers. And um, this particular guttle said there is no accord, there's no basis for that in Allah. And he asked the Chofetz Chaim what to do, and the Chofetz Chaim said, when there's a Mechaikis, a person has to go with who they think is going to win. Now, don't be misled by that. Does that mean if the people are are uh, are in the wrong and they're going to be when you side with them, just being a winning side? It's not what he meant. What he said was, the winning side is going to be Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Hakadosh Baruch Hu is always going to win, and one should have no fear when knowing that you're doing Hakadosh Baruch Hu's will, his rutzen, that any bad will come out of it, only good will come out of it. And therefore, he said, Hakadosh Baruch Hu's rutzen 
is to do the halacha. And therefore, no matter how many people are against against you, stand up for it, and you should, in fact, hire those workers and don't be worried that anything bad will come out of it. And that, that also coalesces with exactly what's going on in this week's Parsha. And that is that nothing stands in the way of a strong will. And a Kaddish Baruch's will is the will which will always prevail, even if at the moment it looks like there's another will that is um, having its way. It will fall. Just like Rome and Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah fell, so too the superstructure which puts forth these type of values will ultimately fall. There's no doubt about it. Nobody's wishing America's demise is a great country. We only hope it'll succeed and prosper and thrive. But uh, a, a passing of a legislation like this does not bode well for uh, for any country or any government or any people. But nothing stands in the way of a strong will, and that means uh, we have to do the will of Kaddish Baruch of Evo, Elokim, El Bilam, Lila, came to Bilam at night, Kaddish Baruch came to Bilam at night and said to him, if these people came to call you, arise, go with them, kum, and go with them. So what's going on here, my friends? So the Gemara, and if you can tell me which Gemara this is, you'll be one of our prize winners as well. Eight, and you can reach me on my listen line, 848-221-4605, or on our uh, JRoot open line now, which is 718-683-5858. If you can tell me which Gemara disappears in that, it, where it takes note that previously in the Pusik that a Kaddish Baruch who told Bill not to go with Balak's messengers who requested that he accompany him, accompany them to curse the Jewish people, from here, there's a Gomorrah that derives the principle, the way a person wants to go, that's the way the person is led. The way a man wishes to go, that's the way he's led. Right? You want to go a certain way, Hashem will lead you in that way, whether for good or for bad. It's a Gomorrah. Which Gomorrah do you think it is? I'll give you a choice. Is it Tinus? Is it Megillah? Is it Shabbos? Or is it the Gomorrah and Machus? So somebody around must know a Talmud Chacham or somebody who's been to one of these Gemaras, you'll know which one it is. Where does it say that the, the way a person wants to go, that's the way they're led? Now, if a person wants to do evil, you know what? They're going to be allowed to do it. We just saw the perpetrators that escaped from that, that, that prison that were, that were taken into, uh, one of them was killed and one of them was shot and uh, brought to the hospital. By the way, by the way, by the way, as uh, a very dear friend and mentor and Rebbe of mine said today, we have to have a limud from anything that happens in the world. One of the things we have to learn is that nobody gets away with anything. Sooner or later, everybody is caught. A person shouldn't think that they are going to get out of this world. As with somebody I met yesterday who basically said that he had thrown off the old of Torah, Shemi Rakim, and uh, while he was happy to go to his family, because he really had nothing to do with it, and he didn't want to hear any admonition on it or hear anything about it, just purely an arrogant person, but that's what he decided he wanted to do. But don't think for one second that when a person gets up for the Kisei covet, or even in this world, that they're going to get away with it. Nobody gets away with anything. Ultimately, everybody is caught and has a din v'kashvim. And that's one of the things we learn from, uh, from, from this incident of the people that escaped this prison. They weren't going to get away with it. They could be on the run for a while, but ultimately... Everybody gets their comeuppance. Now, at any rate, we're talking about now that if a person wants to do evil, they want to do bad, 
Hashem will allow them to do that. They're going to pay a price for it, but they'll be allowed to do it. Now, conversely, punk for care, in the opposite direction, and in a much better direction, and many, many, many more times over, somebody wants to do good, that person will be helping doing good. You want to learn Torah and fulfill a Kaddish Baruch Hu's mitzvahs, you will be successful. Or you want to say, oh, well, well, well you know, I want to, but I'm not really, maybe you don't really want it enough. If you really, really want it, Hashem will help. When you want to travel along a certain path in life, there's no question about it. Hashem will give us the siyata d'shmaya. You've seen it. I've seen it. And you can talk to me about that as well. How many times have you seen in your life you wanted to do something, you didn't know exactly how you do it, but you saw that Hashem helped you? Why don't you share an example of that with us, something you wanted to do, or something you'd like to do, but something's holding you back. Let's talk about how you can get to do it and how you'll be able to acquire that siyata d'shmaya, because what you really want in life, you're going to get. Nothing stands in the way of a strong will. There are many things that we really want, we say we want, but you know what? kind of half-hearted, it's kind of wishy-washy. Oh, yeah, I really want to do that, but you really don't, because if you did, you would. But when you strongly set your mind on a particular goal, you keep your mind on the goal, you keep your eye on the goal, you keep your focus on the goal, then you will have the strength and abilities to necessarily meet that goal. That's a guarantee. That's not coming from me. That's coming from Kazal. What a person truly wants in life they will usually obtain Be'ez Hashem that's brought down in the Alei Shur. So you can be sure of that. Rabbi Vigdan Miller comments in a book he has called Rejoice O Youth that a Kurdish Baruch who guides the person who seeks Chachma, wisdom and the amount of guidance is in proportion to the earnestness of the seeker. Here's the ratio, here's the formula. That is, that the amount of guidance that you're going to get is in proportion to the earnestness of the one that's seeking it. Bear this in mind. The amount of guidance, siyata the shemaya, that's going to be in proportion to the earnestness of the seeker. When you feel a strong need for something, you will not feel the difficulties which you encounter, even though you might have to work very hard to accomplish your goals. Nobody's saying that you don't have to work hard. There is something called working hard. And you know what that means, getting there, rolling up your sleeves and, and doing it. Like, you know, just get in there. And do it. it. may require you going someplace. It may require you exerting yourself, right? You want to mow the lawn, you got to push the lawnmower, right? You just don't go, the thing goes by itself. Even if you're riding on the lawnmower, you got to steer it and go, right? You have to be in there doing it. And when you're not strongly motivated to do something, well, then what do we do? Well, procrastination, it's going to take a long time, it schleps out, because you didn't really want to do it. And not only that, probably, probably the person's not going to do a real good job. So, it's up to us, up to you, up to me, to intensify our will to do good. Now, what does that take? You say, I want to do good. I really want to do it. But I can't. I don't know. Yeah, you can. Just say, start by saying, I want to do good. I want to. Hashem, please help me. And the stronger your rutzen, the stronger your will, the more you will actually accomplish. You know something? I met a friend of mine in Lakewood. I haven't seen him in a while. I don't want to mention his last name. I don't want to embarrass him on the air. They have a... A daughter who was born with a um, a um, with a particular handicap and a couple of handicaps, and which would have been daunting to anybody, and she overcame them. She goes out and she speaks to people and gives them chizuk. And when I met her recently, I told her she should go out, and she knows who I'm talking about. She should go out and give more chizuk to people. She overcame those handicaps. She's the a proud mother of Yiddish children. She overcame her handicaps, and she's a great person, a wonderful person. She has great and wonderful parents. 
simple, wonderful people, heroes of the Jewish people, hero, heroes of Brooklyn. Maybe we should start a, a segment called Heroes of Brooklyn. What do you think? But they overcame. They overcame those handicaps. They encouraged her. She encouraged her family. She encouraged herself and the people she goes out to speak for. You know why? Because she intensified her will to do good. And the stronger your will, the more you will actually accomplish. Lack of spiritual accomplishment, my friends, that doesn't come from lack of ability. Oh, no. But lack of ruts and lack of will. So let's all make up our minds today, okay? Together, you and me together. Work on developing a strong desire for spiritual growth, and you will be amazed at the positive changes you will experience. Can you think of something that you made up your mind that you wanted to do and you, you grew through that experience? Like someone who called last week and said that they had lost their husband a number of years ago, and they just made up their mind that they were not going to be daunted or distracted. They were going to be besimka and a source of joy for other people. And they said they overcame that by not letting the setbacks hold them back. So can you think of a way that something that you're doing now, if you have a stronger desire to grow, that you might take a step toward that spiritual growth? Can you think of something in the past where you had a strong desire to improve, and you did, and you saw that difference? So let's talk about that, because you will be amazed at the positive changes you'll experience. So I'd like you to share that with us, 718-683-5858, Rabbi Vincent Yadler used to quote the altar of Nevada, and listen to what he said. There is no such thing as I cannot. What happens is, is that a person is missing the will and then claims that he cannot. I can't, I can't, you know, I can't, I'm too busy, right? I can't. Not that you can't, you don't want to. That's the reason. You remember the story that I told you some time ago? I said it many times before, it bears repeating. Once I was giving somebody a lift. Uh, I don't know if the person is even still in this world anymore. But I remember at that point, he was he was really struggling. And he had no one, no family. And he, he was living by himself. And uh, it was very obvious that the person's condition was, was in rough shape. And there were people who tried to help him. And one day, he needed a ride somewhere, and I, I offered him a ride. And then after I was about to let him off, he said to me, you know, I, ha- I haven't eaten all day. So uh, I was thinking to myself, I mean, well, what do I look like, a cafeteria? But I didn't say that to him, right? I was saying, okay, well, you haven't eaten all day. Well, I'm sorry, well, <laughs> bon appetit. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say uh, anything that would be that nasty. But I said, oh, I'm sorry, well, uh, you know, go um you know, uh, you should surely get something to eat. He said, oh, but I haven't had anything. I don't, I don't have a way to get anything. He says, do you think you could get me something? So I'm thinking to myself, you know, I have a bunch of things that I have to take care of. Um, and I just gave them a ride. So I said to him, uh, I said to him, I can't. And I'm going to tell you the rest of that story in a moment. Hi, this is Paris B., a.k.a. The Reb. joining us. How are you? Hello. Hi, you're on the air. I don't really want to be on the air. I wanted to just speak to Nissen. Is he available? You can call him on another line. Hi, Parrots B. Any rate, so, um, where was it? Yeah, so I was pulling my car out of the driveway after I had um, declined 
his his offer to get him something to eat, and I felt badly about it. And I was thinking, oh, okay, look, you know, but well, you know, you, you can't be everything to everybody. And I, you know, I went through all the rationalizations and excuses why I didn't want to want to want to do it as I'm pulling out. As I'm pulling out, I have um, I, I have the radio in Lakewood tuned on, and I'm listening to something that Robert Crone is saying. And just as I'm in the midst of pulling out of the driveway, and I had to stop the car before I pulled out to make sure all was clear, I hear Rabbi Krohn telling over a story, and he's right in the middle of the story where he says, the Baal Shem Tov answered the door, and somebody says, Rabbi, do you need anything fixed? And he said, no, I don't need anything fixed. And he said, you sure everybody needs something fixed? And the rabbi said, uh, no, no, I, I, don't need any, I don't need anything fixed. And... Uh, when the fellow left, he said to him, to himself, and then to the Talmud who was with him, you know, uh, everything that happens is Minashimayim. If I had to hear those words, that something needs to be fixed, you know, I must need to fix something up. Maybe I don't need something in the house fixed, but maybe I need to fix something in myself. That must be it. I must need to fix something up in my own midos, and I'm going to do a din v'cheshpun of myself, and think about what I need to correct. So the Talmud said, oh, come on. Uh, does the rub really feel like you, that because you hear something, you need to act on it and mean something to the message? He says, of course. He says, nothing happens by accident, and we all have to do our own self-scrutiny to understand that. So the Thomas said, uh, I, I can't believe that. The Baal Shem Tov said to him, you can't believe it, you just don't want to. Well, the Talmud left, he was on the road, and as he's walking along, he sees a wagon that's overtoned, overturned, and the farmer says to him, um, could you give me a hand? Please help me uh, write, write my wagon, get it up, and just help me load everything in here. I can't do it by myself. And the fellow who's on his way somewhere and is very busy says, oh, I, I can't. I'm just too busy. And the farmer looks at me and says, you can. You just don't want to. And when he heard, heard those words, it struck him to the core. And um, he understood the words of the Baal Shem Tov. As did I, as I'm pulling out of the driveway, Mamish Minishamayim, hearing these words of Rabbi Krohn repeating the words of the Baal Shem Tov. You can, you just don't want to. Didn't I just tell this fellow, I, I can't? It wasn't that I really couldn't, I could have, right? It's just I didn't want to. So what did I do? Boom, I turned the car around, I went to the local supermarket and got him something. He made me a chocolate bar, something like that, and I brought it back to his house. How many times do we do things where we say, I can't do it, I can't do it, but I really mean I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. So if you have a strong will to do something, Hashem will give you the fiat of Shemaya to do it. And if you have the will to do it, Hashem will, will make, make it possible for you. Our will is to do Hashem's will. If a person wants to be a, a righteous person, a good person, a chassid, as it were, I don't mean somebody who walks around a chassidish regalia with a strimal on Shabbos, I mean a chassid or uh, a woman could be a chassid also, right? And a righteous person is a difference between a tzaddik and a chassid. Tzaddik does the right thing. A chassid goes beyond and above that. But whether we want to be a tzaddik or a chassid, what we want to do is to strive to be the best that we can. And we have to think about what we can do to be the best that we can. So if you've got something on your mind that you'd like to talk about along the lines that we just talked about, if you'd like to talk about the Supreme Court decision, how you think it affects you, if you agree with it, if you disagree with it, if you think everybody should just have the right to do what they want, it's a Hefkevelt, or you think that, no, this is wrong, and we've got to take a stand against it, what do you think the stand should be? So give me a call 
at 718-683-5858 and do me a favor. If you want to speak to somebody off the air, please call them and tell them you want to speak to them off the air. The objective of this program is to get people to appreciate the values that we're talking about and to either listen to them. Certainly, if you're busy listening, you don't have to call. And if you feel you do want to speak out, so this is the platform to do that. This is a a listen show as much as it is a talk show. The idea of talking is to be able to be a, is to be able to invade thoughts that get us to think, and not just to think, but to act upon the thoughts that we're thinking about. This is Perez B, A.K.A. the Reb, the Reb with the cause, and the cause is you. I don't claim to know everything, but you can talk to me about anything. Licensed by the state of awareness to live life to its fullness, and if uh, the things that you want to discuss off the air privately or um, at a, a session to speak before your group or at an individual or group coaching session, you can reach me at 848-221-4605, 848-221-4605, or reach me at eichlermedia at gmail.com. This is J-Root. You are on the right track, the right train, and the right route. J-Root, rooted in listening and learning and growing together, growing for greatness. This is Perez B, as I mentioned, a.k.a. the Reb. The Reb with a cause, and the cause is you. A rebel against society without meaning, value, and purpose. And uh, as we see this Supreme Court ruling, we realize all the more so that we do have to stand up for what's right. Are you standing up for what's right? Is there something that's standing in your way of doing the right thing? Something that if you only had a little more rutsin, you might be able to do? Let's talk about it right here. On J Root, 718-683-5858, We'll be back with more after this. Stay tuned to the station that listens to you. Parents B, a.k.a. The Reb, the Reb with a cause, licensed by the State of Awareness to live life, based Hashem, to its fullest.
not live righteously. Oh, yeah, I think it's a good idea. Why didn't he do it? He only wished that he could die and be rewarded for the righteous. So Sefka Zissel of Kelm explained that although Bilham had this um, intellectual awareness of the proper way to live, in his own life he found it oh, just too hard because he had faulty character traits. So he wasn't able to live according to the ideals and principles that he knew were true. He knew it was true, which is different than somebody who doesn't even want to believe that it's true. But, you know, a lot of people really know in the heart of hearts it's true. They just don't want to do it. We see from here the importance of correcting a person's own character traits. Because without an awareness of what's right and what's wrong and what's improper, one cannot live righteously. But even after one has studied and knows what is good and what's bad, what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's evil, then the person has to follow, follow it up in their daily behavior. A person needs to be in control of their impulses. Having the mastery over one's natural tendencies, the things which pull a person in those directions, that's going to enable you to live according to your ideals that you want, assuming that you have those ideals in them, hoping that people that are listening are aspiring to have and want to have even greater ideals living according to the Torah Kadosha. But if a person is lacking that, then a person is capable of doing any type of improper action, unfortunately. And the problem, the problem is not one of knowledge, but really of self-discipline. And for this reason, we have to work uh, on, on improving our character. We've got to do exercises. You want to, you want to build muscle tissue? You have to do exercises. It's not going to come just by sitting down. Fact, the muscles don't come from putting a spoon or a fork into your mouth, that's not considered exercise, <laughs> you know? If you want to diet, you got to go on a diet. If you want to exercise, you got to do push-ups, you got to run, you got to walk. And for this reason, we've got to work on our improving our character traits, because then, then we'll act in a proper way. And, you know, it's just wishful thinking to believe that one can do all, all sorts of bad things, be smoking and thinking you're going to be, help, be, be, be making your lungs better. It's, it's ridiculous to think a person can do all sorts of evil things, bad things, and still die at tzaddik. The only way to to die as a righteous person, to check out of this world as a righteous person, is to live like a righteous person. And that takes discipline. A person has to have a certain amount of discipline. But like we said earlier, when a person has a strong will to live a certain way, then they'll be matzliach, then they'll be successful. By building up a strong will to live in a good and righteous way. And that doesn't mean, you know... In a, in a distant, far-off, ivory tower of, of good kind of goodness. It means right here, right here in the daily activities that you do. Then your entire, your entire behavior is going to be elevated. You know, in, in Musa circles, they used to say that it would have been worthwhile for someone to come from a, an enormous distance to witness the death of Reb Nachum Zevziv, the son of Reb Simcha Zissel, to learn from how a person should die. Can you imagine a person going to somebody to see how a person should die? Sounds a little bit morbid, no? But it's not. Um, listen to this. He suffered greatly, had a lot of pain from his final illness. I don't wish that upon anybody. Even though it purifies a person, we don't want to have to go through that. You know, if you, if you don't have to, we don't wish it on anybody. But yet he was in a complete state of serenity right until the very end. And his doctor, a fellow whose name was recorded as a Dr. Grozad, who wasn't Jewish, he, he, told, he, told, he told this tzaddik that as far as his medical knowledge knew, it 
didn't look like he had very very long to live. But this didn't this didn't thwart the tzaddik. The doctor was asked why he told Rabbi Ziv the true nature of his condition, since it could have a negative effect on his health. Doctor, why'd you say that? So the doctor's reply was like this. Listen to what he said. I know Rabbi Ziv, and he's on a very elevated spiritual level. He has an internalized awareness that that Misa, that death, is just traveling from one world to the next. And therefore, I have no doubt from everything that I've witnessed with him, he'll be able to accept his death with equanimity. Otherwise, I wouldn't have told it to him. Now, that's put down in a Musa Sefer, Tenua Samusar. Can you imagine that? So if we all had that type of calm, that Yeshua does, our whole lives would be different, and after 120 years, our death will be different also. Because when a person realizes, realizes that this comes from fixing up our character, then we're going to be able to live a full, happy, enjoyable, and righteous life by taking a step in the right direction. And I hope that we're all going to do that today. One of the things we think about every day, and the first step in Rabbi Victor Miller's um, 10 Step to Greatness is the first thing is think about Oilam Haba. Spend 30 seconds today thinking about Oilam Haba, whatever that means in your understanding. Look into it, think about it. What's it going to mean to be rejoicing with the Zivashkina, to be in a world that's only good, in a world where a person is rewarded for all the good that they did, of course, punished for the things that they did bad, but after that, when they're cleansed in a world that is only Kuletov and all the, world, all the joys in this world don't compare in any manner, shape, or form to one moment of bliss, all the joys in this world don't compare to one moment of bliss. Um, but think about that for 30 seconds today. That'll be one step on your road to greatness, to grow for greatness as we do here. This is Parents B, a.k.a. The Reb. Sorry I didn't hear from you today. Let's keep trying. Come on, reach out. Let me know when you receive your prize. I'd appreciate that as well. And you can reach me on my own listen line at 848-221-4605. Remember to listen to the great programming here on JRoot, the station that does listen to you. And remember, in the words of Hillel, the rest is commentary. Now, go and learn!